Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to continue with noise of a generation. 1 Kings chapter 19, begin reading at verse number 9. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Verse 11, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Now, Elijah was on the run for his life, and he desperately needed a word from the Lord. And what's interesting is that it came from, from the most unusual of place. You know, we expect God to speak big and large. He's all-powerful. He has all power. There's nothing that God can't do, so we expect the miraculous. But this word was not in the fire. It was not in the earthquake. It was not in the wind, but in the gentle whisper of his presence. Now, last week we talked about decluttering our lives and decompressing so we can hear the voice of God. We discussed getting alone in silence to position our hearts to receive God's revelation for our life. Well, today, in today's message, we're going to go from, we're going to transition from simply hearing the voice of God to, to listening to the voice of God. And you know, listening is an interesting thing. I mean, just yesterday, Starla got all bent out of shape. She was mad at me and said, you weren't even listening to me just now, were you? And, you know, I kind of scratched my, I scratched my head. It, it caught my attention. I thought, you know, that's a weird way to start a conversation. Let it, let it meditate. Let it simmer. You'll get it. Obviously, I wasn't listening to begin with, Right? And so my point is we need to move from just hearing the Word of God to listening and acting on the Word of God. How many know there's a difference between hearing and listening? Well, there's eight of us. The rest of you guys are going to be in the dark. That's what I'm talking about for the rest of the day. So if you don't understand that, we're in for a long day. There's a difference between hearing and listening. You see, hearing is the act of perceiving the sound around you. And if you're not hearing impaired, if you're in a room where there's noise, you're going to hear it whether you want to or not. But you see, listening is something that you have to do consciously. You choose to do it. And it requires concentration so that your brain can process the sounds on your eardrum and turn those sounds into something that means something to your brain. You see, listening leads to learning. You've all heard the expression, he's hard of hearing, or 
she's hard of hearing. But you know, I think that there's more people that are hard of listening than there are those who are hard of hearing. Reminds me of three guys, they went out on a walk one day. These are old guys, so they went out, and one of them said, Wendy, ain't it? No, the second man replied, it's Thursday. <laughs> the third guy chimed in, so am I, let's go get something to drink. Simply put, hearing is sensing sound, but listening is understanding the meaning of the heard sound. You see, a listener listens to the sermon. They don't just hear the sermon. And so in our spiritual life, we hear God's Word because the sound waves penetrate our eardrums. Even if you're playing Candy Crush on your phone right now and you're not listening, at least you're hearing the words coming out of my mouth. But we need to stop long enough to allow the vibrations of the presence of God, the voice of God, the touch of God into our life. You see, because I haven't truly listened to God until I've obeyed what I've heard God say. Now, many of us, maybe most of us, we've read the Word of God, hopefully, We've heard the Word of God from the pulpit, and perhaps we've even had God speak to our hearts, but we have never acted on that Word. And so you see, we really haven't listened until we've obeyed what we've heard. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God, because to draw near is better, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. In other words, when I repeatedly come to the house of God and the Holy Spirit speaks to me or convicts me or gives me a direction to act on, to hear that but not listen and obey is the same thing as what the Bible refers to as offering the sacrifice of fools. You see, because the biblical word for listen means to reverently and attentively listen with the intent to follow and obey attentively. I put too many T's in there, didn't I? Attentively. Attentively. Listen with the intent to follow and obey. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says, My son, pay attention to my words. My son, listen closely to what I'm going to tell you. Don't lose sight of what you've heard. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Folks, we need to get to the point where our hearts can be like the prophet Samuel when he said, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Linda, Linda, you're not listening. You're not listening. Linda, Linda. Something for you YouTube fans. Friend, we need to get rid of the noise in our life so we can hear the voice of God. Then once we've heard God's voice, we need to, to spiritually develop where we can say in our own life, in our own heart, speak, Lord. I'm listening, but not only am I listening, but I'm willing to follow through and obey what you've told me. You see, so many people have misused the gifts of God with the God told me to tell you card. And so consequently, many times we don't live our lives as if God even speaks in our world today. We're scared to think about that. But as A.W. Tozer said, the Bible will never be a living book to you until you are convinced that God is articulate in his universe. 
And see, friend, it can be fatal to continue to ignore that speaking voice that's within us. You see, because it's the basic belief that an articulate God speaks to us that allows us to be saved in the first place. Because it doesn't matter how good the worship is or how good the sermon is, if the Spirit of God does not speak to the heart of the unsaved or the prodigal, they are not going to come to Christ. No oratorical eloquence will ever convince anyone to come to Christ until they hear that voice of God calling them from a place of sin to a place of righteousness. It's only by the voice of God and it's only by the grace of God that we're saved. And, you know, people have a hard time understanding this, but you are never going to coerce someone into the kingdom of God. Arguing with someone is never going to convince them to get saved. That's why I don't carry placards about whatever my beliefs are. Beating someone over the head with the Bible is not going to get them saved. What's going to get people saved is one word from heaven, and that will change someone's life. Job 33, 14 says, For God may speak in one way or in another. Yet man does not perceive it. In other, words, God, in other words, God speaks in various ways. In the Bible, he spoke through angels, through visions, through dreams. In the Old Testament, he spoke through prophets and priests and kings. In the New Testament, he spoke through the apostles and, of course, his son, Jesus Christ. And God is still speaking today. My wife tells me that he speaks through her. I thought that was funny, but anyway. Do you know why it's so important that we be able to hear the voice of God? It's so important. And one of the reasons I've already talked about, because you can't be saved unless you hear the voice of God. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And then in verse 45, it says, Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Well, secondly, it's important to hear the Word of God because it assures me that I am in God's family. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See, the myth is that God only talks to super saints. Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. But I want you to know God wants to talk to all of his kids. And that includes you. If... There's a big if there if you'll stop long enough to hear what he has to say. See, friend, God wants to talk to you to let you know that, that you're his and that he loves you and that he cares about you. Another reason it's important to hear God's voice is that hearing God's voice protects me from mistakes that could happen in my life. If you will listen God will warn you in advance. You remember that really stupid thing you did a few years ago? More than likely, more than likely, there was that little small voice that said, don't do that. Don't go there. Your mama warned you. Now I'm warning you. Don't do that. See, God will guide you. And God will speak, causing men to change their minds, as Job 33, 17 says. 
to turn man from his wrongdoing, to keep him from his own pride, to preserve his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Friend, listen to me. If we will simply stop long enough to hear and listen to the voice of God, it will keep us from falling into some really ugly traps if we'll listen to him. The fourth thing is that listening to God is a secret of a productive life. Because when we listen to God, he will reveal himself to us. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the Oklahoma heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. When we listen to God and obey him, he will reveal himself to us. You see, we learn who God is by experience. You know those names that we use to refer to God in the Bible? Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi. Well, see, all of those names came from an experience that someone had with God. In Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham was on his way to sacrifice his son Isaac, Isaac asked his dad, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord himself will provide. Or the Hebrew phrase that we use, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. You see, on each occasion, the names of God have been acquired through experiences that his people have had with him. And so every time you stop and listen to the voice of God and God proves himself to you, you begin to know who God is through those experiences and God will reveal more of his nature and his promises to you as we get to know him. But if you're not hearing him, if you're not hearing him, you're not going to have the experience. Remember last week when I said the more immature you are spiritually, the more supernatural God has to be to get your intention? Well, it got so bad in Numbers chapter 22, in Balaam's time, I mean, nobody was listening. And so God had to speak through a donkey in order to get their attention. You remember that story? Well, you know, I was thinking about that, and it reminded me of this old man who bought a donkey from a preacher who was a real good friend of my great-grandpa. My great-grandpa was a preacher in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And he had this friend who was a preacher, and so he sold this other guy his donkey. And so when they were doing the transaction, the preacher told the, the guy who was buying the donkey, listen, this donkey will only obey certain words. And to make the donkey go, you have to say hallelujah. And to make the donkey stop, you have to say amen. You see, this donkey took me to church every Sunday. I rode this donkey to church every Sunday, so this is a saved donkey. This is a sanctified, sanctified donkey. I'm just telling you the story how my great-grandpa told me. I, I, you know, I'm just telling you what he said. Well, they did the transaction that paid for the donkey, and so the guy was riding up in the mountains, and he found himself heading towards a cliff. Well, for the life of him, he couldn't remember how to make the donkey stop. Whoa, stop, he cried. 
Bible, church, stop! <laughs> Shouted the man. The donkey kept right on going for the cliff. Well, finally, in desperation, as the donkey got closer to the cliff, the man cried, please, Lord, make this donkey stop before I fall off this mountain. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Miraculously, the donkey stopped. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I got to make a... I need to make a confession to you. I don't know why I told you that story. This has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. The only point I can make out of this is that the donkey heard and listened to what the man was saying. Lord, help me. God, <coughs> got me all choked up. God has always been articulate from Genesis to Revelation. But a really important question for you and I today is how does God speak today? I mentioned earlier that God speaks through Starla to get to me, which obviously you guys didn't think was that funny. But, so I'll continue on. Now, obviously, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the written Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. His Word is God's way of making us well-prepared in every area of our life. Psalms 119.105 says it this way, God, your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. So his word is the single most important way that God speaks to his people today. Another way God speaks is through his church. Ephesians chapter 3.10 says, So that the manifold wisdom of God might, be now, might now be made known through the church. Now obviously, obviously there are pastors and teachers who explain the word of God. But another way that God speaks through his church is is by relationships. God brings people into your life through relationships in the church that he uses as a tool to speak into your life. And on the surface, that sounds great, but there's a problem. Because relationships in the local church today are so shallow that we never earn the right to speak into anyone's life, even if they're about to blow it. Now, I'm not talking about butting your nose into their business. I'm not talking about telling them who they should or should not marry or what they should have for lunch today. Of course not. But I'm talking about a relationship that is strong enough that you can speak God's truth into your friend's life. We need relationships where with the love of God we can speak into our friend's lives and they can speak into ours in order to perhaps challenge a way of thinking, to be a sounding board, or if necessary, to correct our steps. I mean, we feel fine with telling our dirty laundry to everyone at work or in our families and we ignore the fact that the Bible says, don't sit in the counsel of the ungodly. We spend so much of our time at carnal work. 
We spend so much of our time with carnal family members just shooting the breeze or telling them about what's wrong with our wife or with our husband or with our kids, and we never take the time to spend time with people of like faith and that are like-minded in belief as we are. We may give God an hour a week, and we expect him to do something with that hour a week when we spend the rest of our time sitting in the council of the ungodly. Listen, friend, it is worth taking time to establish strong Christian relationships within the church so that we can help each other and so that iron can sharpen iron. Well, the flip side of that coin is with God wanting to use us to speak to our friends, we better make sure that what we're going to say is from God and that we've earned the right to say it. And friend, let me say something. If you're on the receiving end of a God-told-me-to-tell-you situation, just because someone says it's from God, you need to weigh it and pray it for yourself. God can speak to you as well as he can speak to me. And so you need to make sure for yourself but what happens is that means that you've got to take the time to open up the book. You've got to take time to not only hear, but also to listen. So you can tell when someone comes to tell you something, whether it's from God or whether it's not. Now, the way God speaks to us is through the inner impressions of the Holy Spirit. It's that still, small voice, that inner voice of God. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Friend, God will whisper to you if you're open to receiving it. Another way God speaks, of course, is through our circumstance. And you need to understand that through the pain, through the closed doors that slam in your face, through the things you don't understand, God uses the good and the bad circumstances in our life to reveal to us his will. Sometimes he brings people into our lives. Sometimes he takes us to places, even places we don't want to go. Sometimes he uses his timing to be a revelation into our life. I don't know about you, but some of the most profound direction from God I've ever received has been in some of the darkest days of my life. The book Pilgrim's Progress, the first part of that was written in a prison. The prison epistles of the Bible were written in a dungeon. The book of Revelation was written while John was in exile. Some of the greatest words that this world has ever received from God have been through circumstances that God used to forge us in the testing of fire. Now, we don't like this one, but sometimes God will even speak to us in a rebuke. Psalms 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You drop down to verse 71 and it gives the result. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. Friend, God uses our circumstances to speak to us. But now here's the real question. This is a $64,000 question. 
How do I know if it's God? All these things are rattling around. I have a lot of empty space up there. So all these things are rattling around. So how do I know which ones are from God? Which ones are from Starla? Which ones are from the devil, my sister? How do I know what things are from God? 1 John 4, 1, in the message paraphrase, says, Don't believe everything you hear. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. Man, there's a lot of people there who got that uh, God told me to tell you card used on them. Listen, you need to examine what people tell you, including what I tell you. Check me out. So how do I know if what I'm hearing is from God? Well, first of all, does it agree with Amen. the Bible? Amen. Pretty simple stuff, right? Is what I'm hearing in my heart, is what I'm feeling impressed to do, does it agree with the Word of God? Because here's the thing, God never contradicts His Word. God will never be the author of anything that instructs you to violate a principle that's written in the Word of God. Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But do you realize that most cults have been started by someone who sold people on the idea that it was okay to add something to the Word of God or take something away from the Word of God? And then that puts the onus on you to know what's in the Word of God. There are a lot of slick salesmen out there that will try to sell you some beautiful land down in Florida that is nothing but swamp and alligators. You need to know what's in the Word of God. This world is full of noise full of noise. And so you need to know what's in the book. And if what you're hearing doesn't line up with the Word of God, then it is not a word from God. You know, along that line, it's really interesting, but <laughs> I don't understand it, but maybe I've done it myself. But, you know, I've had people come to me. They, I mean, they've been in a difficult situation. They've, maybe they faced hard times or something, but they come to me whining about their situation, and they want me to give them a Bible pass. A Bible pass is where what they want to do doesn't line up with what the Word of God says, but they want permission to do it anyway. Like, I'm going to tell you to do something that contradicts the Word of God. I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. No. They've said to me, oh, you know, a little white lie can't hurt. You know, this is really going to help my family at my job. Or, hey, you know, I'm just not... I don't include all my income on my tax return, but that's the way, that way I can give more money to the church. I've heard this one a lot. Hey, listen, I'm only repeating what I was told, and they said it was true, so it's not gossip. Friend, if it doesn't agree with the book, you better run the other direction. We need to keep our nose in between the pages written in red. 
Does what you're hearing align with the Word of God? The second way I know if it's from God or not, does it make me look more like Christ? If what you're feeling led to do, if what you're hearing in your experience with God is not going to make you more Christ-like, I guarantee you it's not from God. I don't even have to know what it is. If you feel led to lay on your horn to let that guy that cuts you off know that Jesus loves him, (laughs) should have had a V8. I don't think that's from God. (laughs) Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God. The apostle Paul said, do as I do and imitate Christ. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure Jesus watches Game of Thrones with you when you have it on at night. Lord have mercy. Sure got quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to move on from that one, Kyle. Half the church will be gone next week, having a Game of Thrones festival. Next, does the church and your Christian friends and family confirm it? Do you have mature spiritual believers in your own family or that you hang with or in your church family that question what God is speaking to your heart when you share it with them? Well, if you do, you need to understand that Proverbs 11.9 could be good news for you. The wisdom of the righteous can save your your, your backside. I didn't say it. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. The wisdom of the righteous can save you. I've already told you this, Psalm 101, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Friend, you need to seek godly counsel because it can keep you from a lifetime of heartache. I know you've known her for a whole two weeks, but I really don't think you should marry her. You know, I, just, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, at least wait three. Here's one we don't talk about very much. How do you know it's from God? Well, is it your responsibility? See, if it's not your responsibility, then why would God ask you to do it? I really don't think he asked you to stick your nose in your neighbor's business. I think that's just kind of something that you got motivated to do from somewhere else. You say, now, is that in the Bible? Well, let's look and see. Look at John chapter 21. We get down to verse 18, and this is after the resurrection. Jesus Jesus has come out of the grave. And so Jesus is talking to Peter on the beach one day. And so, you know, he goes, and you can see he says, you you used to go where you want to go. You came when you wanted to come, but there's going to be a time when you're not going to be able to go. You're going to be bound up. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, Peter, you are going to be martyred for my sake. Well, guess what Peter's response was? Verse 21. 
about John? What about him? And you know, hey, I'm human. I'm sure I do the same thing. If Jesus appeared to me and said, time's up, Mike, you're going to be martyred. I'd say, what about Terry? (laughs) Marvin, Eugene. I know a lot of people that are a lot more qualified for that than me. What about them? And what did Jesus say to him? Peter, John is not your concern. You just do what I say for you to do, and you leave John out of it. And so if it is not your responsibility, leave it alone. You don't have to carry the whole world on your shoulders. Another thing you need to ask yourself when you're trying to decide if this is from God or not, is it convicting or is it condemning? Is it convicting or is it condemning? You see, because conviction comes from God. But condemnation? It comes from my sister and it comes from the devil. It used to come from my mother, but she's no longer with us. So my sister has picked up that mantle, and she is wearing it well. (laughs) Condemnation comes from the devil. Revelation 12.10 tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So if you have this gnawing down in your heart, and it has something to do with guilt, and if you have prayed a genuine prayer of repentance and it still doesn't go away, it is not conviction from the Holy Spirit. Conviction always responds to the genuine prayer of repentance. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Our Heavenly Father always offers you a solution. The devil will never offer you a solution. God will never attack your self-worth. But Satan will condemn you. He will jump on you with both feet and his tail, and he'll tell you that you're worthless. He'll tell you that it's over for you, and he will tell you that you have no hope. But God, in love, he will come and he will convict you and let you know that you are sinning. But he does it in love, and he's simply trying to get you to repent. He's simply trying to bring you back home. He's left the 99 to come and find you to bring you back so you can begin again. And then the bottom line is this. Do I sense God's peace about it? I got this last one from Nina. We had a meeting this week, and she shared this pearl of wisdom, and I said... I'll use that. Colossians 3.15 is one of the greatest tests for is this the voice of God? Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The Amplified Translation says it this way. Let the peace of Christ 
the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. Be the controlling factor in your heart, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called. Church, we need to let the peace of God act as the umpire in our life. We need to let the peace of God be the traffic cop in our lives. We need to let the peace of God set the rules in our life. And so when I've heard, when I've listened, and I'm getting ready to obey, does it bring peace in my life? You see, I can read thousand, a thousand books. I can attend a hundred seminars. But when I get the peace of God that passes all understanding, no matter what the circumstances say, I know it's going to be all right. The noise of this world will push and push and push, and it will drive us crazy. But you see, the Spirit draws gently. And if the world is pressuring you, Isaiah 28, 16 says this, whoever believes will not act hastily. So friend, if you're feeling pressured to make hasty decisions, God says, have patience. Give me time to speak. And then listen to what I have to say 